Thanks, everybody. Uh, good morning. I'm Caleb. It's great. People keep sending me these little like memes of pastors who get up front and say, good morning, everybody, and then say, oh, you can do better than that. Hi. And they keep sending me those, but I'm not going to stop. I don't care how many times people try to make fun of me. All right. Um, well, good morning. I'm um, excited to be here, excited to get into this. For some of you, I bless you. I posted on River on Family, uh, the family page on Facebook, about this morning's service and mentioned 10 a.m. And for a few of you, you got the wonderful gift of getting to arrive 45 minutes early for church today, thanks to that. So you are welcome. What an incredible gift that was. And I just want to uh, just say you're welcome for serving you in that way. All right. So we're going to move our way into this, into this series, but uh, I want to start by just pointing out we're in November. Everybody know it's November? Okay. All right. Good. It's, it's November. Um, and, and November includes my, I think, favorite holiday of the year. Anybody, any voters, Thanksgiving favorite holiday of the year? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Some. No, we won't have a big debate in here. I, and I probably am undecided. I like my birthday. That's probably number one. Uh, and then it kind of works from there. But no, Thanksgiving, one of my favorites, you know, it's got all the wonderful things like football and family time and great food together. And it's supposed to be fall, um, but I'm still adjusting to the fact in Florida. You know, last couple of days, nice, nice, really nice. Kind of felt a little fall-like, but, but Thanksgiving is one of my favorite, one of my favorite holidays, if not my favorite um, because the family gathers and guests are invited and you just get to share this time together around the table. And I love that. But I don't know if you've ever hosted Thanksgiving. We've, growing up, we started to host Thanksgiving somewhere around when I was a teenager. Um, and then even here, we've hosted Thanksgiving at our house. If you ever hosted Thanksgiving, um, then you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then this is what goes on behind the scenes if you host Thanksgiving. Hosting Thanksgiving in our house, my, my mom, you know, she was the, the queen of that time, right? She determines how it's all going to work. But there's, there's a lot of lists of things to do. There's a chore list. There's a grocery shopping list. There is a list of recipes that all have to be made. And then guess what? Everybody's working together. All right. That's how it goes. And my mom's actually going to be here next week. Don't ask her how I did at that. We'll just say I was always a joyful volunteer for anything I was ever asked of as a teenager. <laughs> ask of me. All right. So all hands on deck. We all work together. Right. And we're doing all these chores to get the house ready. We're going grocery shopping to get all these things that need to be purchased. We're, we're doing all this work to prepare the recipes. But we're doing that together. And you know, even as a teenager, I remember the preparation for hosting people was really tied to these the two things that made it joyful. One was, look, a lot of those chores we always had anyways, right? And I did them with mixed results, as you can ask my mother. Um, but usually all those chores, all those tasks of things that need to be done, it was kind of like the family existed. We had some things we're supposed to do, but we did them as we could, when we could, when we wanted. And it kind of felt like we did all those things alone, even though we were a family with a bunch of things to accomplish and get taken care of. But when Thanksgiving was coming, we knew that we needed to do this together. And there was this joy that's found in all of us putting our hands to work and enjoying the process together. And we worked together as a family. Part of Thanksgiving was knowing that we're, the house is going to smell a certain kind of way. We're going to get the grocery list together. We're going to make these recipes. And I'm chopping up vegetables. And then my mom's fixing them, re-chopping them. I did it wrong. Um, but I tried really hard, right? So part of the joy of that effort was that we did it together. And the other part of why it was totally joyful is that we had a vision for, of what it was for. 
That we are going to do that work. We're going to knock off those lists. We're going to rally together. We're going to work towards this end because the purpose was to create a space where the family could gather and where guests could be welcomed. And uh, tonight, 5 o'clock, we got the vision night as we're in this, in the midst of this season of, of relaunch. That's really kind of what this is, you know? To be a place that the family can gather and guests can be welcomed. Uh, this January is going to mark the 25th anniversary of this church. And, you know, as we are in relaunch, part of that, heart of that is to, to really just mark this mile marker and say, all right, we want to invest as a community and come together and rally together to set up this church for the next 25 years. Um, but really, if we want to look at what's the point of all this, we look more than 25 years back. Right? That what we look to is 2,000 years back to the heart of Jesus. That church really, and that's going to be the series, is church for the next four weeks. Church is not something that started right here at 141 River Run Point 25 years ago. Right? Church is something that started before there was ever a church in the heart of our God. And specifically in the heart and in the vision of the person of Jesus Christ. And so relaunch and this series is really about fixing our eyes on the vision Jesus has for his church. And we've talked about it before, but I just want to reiterate it even as we set our hearts tonight together that the purpose isn't getting a new roof or AC units or water tanks. Yeah, we got it. We're going to do all that. It's on our list, right? Check it off. But the purpose is not just property renovations. The purpose of this season at River Run I believe a God-ordained season is not just property renovation. It's a family renewal. It's a renewal of our hearts with the vision that Jesus had and has for his church. Because the church, all of them, they're his church. Right? And the church, all of them, their vision really doesn't matter unless it's his vision. And we want to be a church that's after that. In fact, I'd say if you ask any of the leadership, the staff, the, the elders, any of the leaders here at River Run, what if tomorrow somebody wrote a check and paid for the roof, the AC units, and everything tomorrow? Would we just say, all right, we're done? No, no. Yeah, the list would change and numbers would be changed and all that stuff. But really, if we got the perfect building, but we neglected the vision of Jesus for his church, then who cares? Right? What would be the point of that if we neglect the vision of Jesus? And so over the coming month, as we look at the church, we want to just anchor our hearts and fix our eyes on, Lord Jesus, when you came into the world as the Son of God and put on human flesh and came to redeem humanity, and you came and walked a perfect life, sinless, and you healed the sick and cleansed lepers and raised the dead, and you, and you opened the eyes of the blind, and you preached to the thousands, and you gathered disciples, and you poured your life into them, and then you offered yourself in the cross and you died and were buried and then you were resurrected again. And then you looked at those disciples and said, go and tell everyone the good news. The good news of my kingdom and of salvation in my name and of relationship with me forever and eternity. That in the heart of Jesus was beating a vision for his church. His church. And we want to be the kind of church that Jesus would be thrilled with in his heart. And I'm excited about what God is doing and has been doing for the years up till now. And I'm excited about this specific time 
in what he's doing as he moves us forward. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump into today's specific message as we get into this series on the church. Lord, um, Lord, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the eternal Son of God, and, and you have a vision for your church. And Lord, we want to say yes to your vision for us. So Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word today, as we uh, dig into it in the weeks ahead, and, and we lean into this together for the next couple of years as a family, that Lord, you would just do something so deep in us, Lord, deep in our hearts, that we would be the kind of church you envision. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for today, as we talk about what is the church, what is the church? You saw a lot of different kinds of buildings, but really it's centered around people, right? In fact, if you drove from here, you drive by a bunch of different looking churches within probably 10 minutes of here. Looking different, different styles, different types. Uh, they might have different music, right? But at the core of what the church is, we're all called to the same thing. And for today, we're going to just anchor into one of our real value statements here at River Run that God takes strangers and makes them family. But if we're going to get to that main value statement, it's a reversal of a problem that we have in the beginning, that God made a family that became strangers. So this, the mission of the church, central to it, is the restoring of what was broken because of sin in the beginning. So God made a family. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates a perfect world marked by shalom, which is peace. It's filled with his goodness as he designs it, and he sets up humanity in that perfect creation. He doesn't set it up as a corporation or as an education center. He sets it up as a family where there's this perfect union and perfect love for one another. This perfect union with God, peace and enjoyment of relationship with God. They're with God. They're with one another. There's no shame. There's no hostility. It is great. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that's not where I live right now. All right, that's not the world I'm in. And that's because when sin came into the world in Genesis 3 and then all the way through Genesis 11, that world where there was unity with God, family with God, and family with one another, became a world of a bunch of strangers where human beings became strangers of God, separated from Him because of their sin, hostile to, the, to Him, distrusting Him, rebelling against Him. Not only that, by Genesis 11, we see at the Tower of Babel, the world is just scattered all over the place, divided up in hostility by different languages and different opinions and different directions. And, and so this world is strangers with God, strangers to one another. And that gaps between humans are called schisms or isms we may associate with things like racism and sexism and classism and you name it. Things that create all these different micro-segments of people that are all hostile towards one another over differences they have and are disconnected from God because of the brokenness that's in all of us. So God made a family that became strangers and and by the grace of God, through the work of His Son, Jesus, the work of this, His Holy Spirit, through His church, what God is doing is He's mending that. Because God takes strangers and makes them family. God takes strangers and makes them family. We're going to read a lot of verses 
over the next little bit um, here. So hang on tight. You got your digital guide if you want to follow along there. You can scan that QR code in the seat in front of you. Um, or you can flip around with me in the Bible and keep up. All right? It'll be a fun little race. But God takes strangers and makes them family. So first, remember we said that humanity was family with God in the Garden of Eden. But now we're strangers. And in Colossians, Paul is writing to a church in Colossae. Um, makes sense, right? He's writing to them to try to help them understand who, what, is, what does it mean to be a church? And listen to how Paul describes it in Colossians 1, 21 and 22. He says, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Say enemies. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's, let's embrace that's true. All right, Paul's like, you wanna, I want you to understand what God has done for you, what it means to be the church. Here you go. Here's your status before Christ, your BC status. Is you were enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, which is a big word, uh, four words there to kind of talk about sin. The sin that marks the hearts of all humanity since Adam and Eve's fall. The sin that marks our thoughts and our ways of living and acting. Yet now he, that's God, has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Reconciled is just a big way of saying closing the relational gap. If you ever had a brokenness in a relationship, maybe it was a family member. What does it mean? What does that mean? Well, you feel a relational gap, Right? Maybe you don't call each other, you don't talk to each other, or when you're in the same room, you feel a million miles apart. What does it mean to be reconciled? It means that gap closes. Not just physically, but relationally, where your hearts do not feel that recoiling hostility that's been there for a while. And Paul says in Colossians, as the church, here's one of the beautiful things. Yes, we were strangers. We have been since the fall. Yes, we're strangers and enemies of God because of our sin. But guess what? Through the body of Christ— we have been brought near. The gap is closed, not just physically, but relationally with God. It goes on and says this. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And not to give you a whooping or a lecture or to tell you how much is wrong with you. Because of the work of Christ, when you put faith in Him, you are brought near to God in His own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. What? So God takes strangers and makes them family with Himself, drawing them near, living in His presence. And just think about that for a minute. I don't know how you feel this week. I don't know what you did this week. But I got a pretty good feeling that if you measured your very best efforts this week, you would not write down, holy, blameless, without a single fault. <laughs> if you would, turn to the person next to you and they'll tell you that you're wrong. All right? They'll give you a little, at least a single fault they'll find. All right? I bet you don't feel that way. You know, but the beautiful thing about being in the church is that our status before God is defined by Jesus' work for us. And that's awesome. In First John, uh, John says it, and I've quoted this so many times. John says in First John 3, verse 1, he, older John talking to a church and says, do you want to know how much God loves us? He calls us his beloved children. And that's what we are. So the church 
We are people that have experienced the reality that God took strangers and enemies and made them family, made them his beloved children. But it's not only that, he also makes us family with one another. God takes strangers and makes them family. Family with himself, and then by byproduct of that, family with one another. In Ephesians, Paul again, I like the Paul has a lot of good stuff to say to frame in what does it mean to be the church? Ephesians 2. He's writing to another church very similar to the one in Colossae. And he says this in 2, 16 through 19. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. Let's pause there for a second. Both groups here. Um, he's talking, going to talk about Jews and Gentiles. And in the New Testament, those are kind of the two big circles that are drawn. But it's important to note Jews. We know the Jews, the descendants of Abraham. Gentiles is just another word for the nations. That means everybody. From every background, every ethnic, uh, ethnic heritage, every language they grew up with, everybody everywhere that God made all of these into one body by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him. And peace to the Jews who were near. Continues. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles, that's most of us in here, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Say family. Yeah, God takes strangers and makes them family. Oh, but, but I'm separated from God because of my sin. Yes, but look at what Christ has done for you. Put faith in Him. And you are not a stranger or an enemy of God. You are a beloved child of God. Holy, blameless, without a single fault before Him. You're in His presence. He's closed the gap. But not only that, the work of Christ is good news of peace that guess what? We don't have to hate each other. Right? We don't have to hate each other. We don't have to sort out this room and be like, well, I don't know. Let's sort this room based upon race. Let's sort it based upon class. Let's sort this room based upon gender. Let's sort this room based upon how you voted. Right? Right? We don't have to do that. You know what we sort this room based upon? We are those beloved of God. And we believe that Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And once we believe that, that defines our life. And it defines our family. God takes strangers and makes them family. So River Run is a church, but that means River Run is a family. River Run is a family. Rick Warren says this, and I love this simple quote, and it's not on the screen. So says, listen carefully. It's just very easy to remember. Church is not something you go to. It's a family you belong to. Church is not something you go to. It's a family you belong to. River Run is a family. Now, just like any family, especially if you join a new family, there's kind of two questions for us to consider with how are we doing at embracing that reality? So one is, am I welcoming others to be family, right? One of the, the, the defining characteristics of the way the church is a family, defined by the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that it is a place to be known and loved. 
So it's worth considering this. Do the people around me, do they feel like I want to know them? And the more I get to know them, do they feel that I love them? Because let me just give you a little tip here. If you get to know everybody in here, you get to know me, there's some stuff you can get to know where you're going to be like, eh, that's not, that guy kind of not so great sometimes. He's kind of a jerk once in a while, right? You get to know people, the reality, if you've got everyone, we've got to know people. And you've kind of had moments where as you get to know someone, if you really want to know them, they're not going to just give you the glossy cover, right? The unfiltered version of us for all of us is, is scary to be known. So consider, how do I receive others? How can I be a person within this church family that seeks to know others, and when I come to know more about them, they know that I love them? And the other part of it is, well, what if I'd rather just be a stranger here? <laughs> what if I came here, and I like the worship, and I like when they preach sometimes, and I, and I kind of like the kids' ministry, but I kind of would rather just be a stranger here, can keep my stuff over here behind the scenes. Well, my challenge to you is to pray and consider how might the Lord lead you through, whether it's through smaller communities and connecting with others, to find a few people in this community that start to know you a little more than just as a stranger. To offer ourselves to be known. And I know that there's a risk in that, right? But if you ask Jesus, Jesus, what's your vision for River Run? He would say, well, this is my vision for my church. That the church would be a family where people are known and they are loved. But just one more thing I want to add on to this. And that is that the church is not only a family, but a family with a shared purpose. Kind of like the family rallying together to prep for Thanksgiving. We know, hey, we do this together and there is a purpose in view. For me, when I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving, you know what's driving me? One is, I'm going to have a belly full of the best food. Now, I know some people think turkey's overrated. I, I don't want to talk to you for a minute because I'm trying to get over this hostility thing. And I, you're known and you're loved, okay? Um, I love Thanksgiving meal. And you know what I know is going to happen? At some point that day, I'm going to be sitting with some kind of delicious dessert that I shouldn't be eating because I've been already full for an hour and a half. And I'm going to be watching football and sitting with people that I love. And it's going to be awesome. And that vision of the family gathered and the guests welcome, it drives me to say, yes, this is what it's about. And the church is a family with a purpose. Paul, going back to Colossae, the church there, Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 3 to them to say, well, what does it mean to be a family? He said, well, here's, here's what it looks like to actually live as a family. He says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. I don't know, it's kind of in my heart today that some of us just need to be reminded that if you have put faith in Jesus Christ, you are the holy people he loves. It's real hard to be a family that of knowing and loving one another if we don't recognize that the God who perfectly knows us, loves us completely. 
Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Continuing. Make allowance for each other's faults. Wait, but you said before, God, I'm without a single fault. Well, yeah, but not, not here, all right? The other people around you, they're gonna, you're going to notice faults. And Paul says, don't be surprised. In fact, prepare your hearts to show mercy when those faults get exposed. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Continuing, he says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So for the singers in here, harmony. There's two ways for everybody to sing together. One is everybody sing the melody. All right? But harmony is when people have different voices, different tones, different pitch, different, and, and they work their voices together and it's in unity. And Paul says, Bring all your different voices together in perfect harmony. How? By clothing yourselves with love. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Anchor your hearts to this. Let the message about Christ fill your lives. The good news of what Christ has done, let it fill your lives. Not just Sunday morning from 1045 till noon or whatever, wherever I, whenever I get done. All right? Time change. You guys will be fine. You got extra rest. All right? So not just for an hour, right, on Sunday morning. Not just in my small group for another couple hours. But let your whole life be filled with the message of Christ. This is our purpose as a family. And it goes on and says this, And whatever you do or say, Oh, Paul, that's a really big circle around my life. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever, let the message about Christ fill your lives. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. I mean, those are two little simple phrases that Paul uses there, but, but it's defining what is our purpose as a family? Let the message about Christ fill your lives. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. As a representative of Jesus Christ. And, and so here's what's true about River Run, because it's true about the church River Run is a family. And it's a family that exists to represent Christ. River Run is a family that exists to represent Christ. Um, this is a longer quote, but I mainly want to get here the very end of it, but maybe you'll grab something out of the rest of it. Charles Colson, um, who had a uh, prison ministry, really great uh, Christ follower and powerful impact in his life. But he said this, The life function of the local church, which is what we are, is to love the God who created it, 
to care for others out of obedience to Christ, to heal those who hurt, to take away fear, to restore community, to belong to one another, to proclaim the good news while living it out. And he says this, if you have notes, write this down. The church is the invisible made visible. The church is the invisible made visible. See, God's vision for his church, Jesus' vision for the church, is that that we would be a family, the church would be a family gathered from different backgrounds, different cultures. We'd be a family gathered together whose greatest love, whose only Lord, and whose central priority is Jesus. That's God's vision for his church, that we would be a family gathered from all different backgrounds, all different places around East Orlando, and we would gather together in in our greatest love, our only Lord, and our central priority would be the person of Jesus Christ. And that through that, through us, the Christ who is invisible to this world would be made visible. Right now, can you see me? You see me, right? right? All right, yeah. I'm not like a ghost, right? No. So, you know why you can see me? Because I have a visible body. The words I have to say, the thoughts in my mind, the personality I have, my sense of humor, or lack thereof, we won't talk about that. My emotions, my feelings, my passions, my zeal, everything about me would be completely unknown to all of you except I have a body that animates the invisible thoughts and passions of my heart. And so you get to experience that because my body reveals to you the thoughts that otherwise would be invisible to you. And and the New Testament says this is the church. They are a family that is a body together. But they're not their own body. They are the body of Christ the passions and love and affections of Jesus, the, the will of God, the heart of God, would be seen by the world because the body would show it. And that's what we're called to. At River Run, we are a family, a place to be known and loved, and we are a family that exists to represent Jesus Christ. We exist to represent Jesus Christ. As we come to our response time, um, there's three ways that we can do that. So I'm going to set us up for that, and then um, we'll, we'll move into that, that time together. Um, so if you've been here for a while, you, you know about this. If, if not, then, then let me catch you up real quick. So three ways that we can intentionally respond uh, to what the Lord might be stirring in your hearts today. And one is, uh, on both sides, you'll see the tables for communion. Now what communion is... It's for those who believe in Jesus Christ, who have experienced that death to life, that's, that strangers to children of God, they've experienced that through the work of Jesus, that we gather at that table to celebrate what Christ has done for us and bring we who are far off near to the Lord and also bring us who are hostile close to one another. So as you come to communion, search your hearts and just give thanks to the Lord for what He has done. If there's anything within your heart to resolve with the Lord, do that as well in that time. 
That's a time to respond to what Christ has done for us. Second is we do have offering uh, in the back. I know many of you have online, but we have the baskets in the back. And here at River Run, offering is not something to earn anything from God. It is a response, a joyful response to the immeasurable grace He has shown us. And the third thing is just to respond to the Lord in prayer. You can do that on your own, but also we'll have uh, some of our, our leaders will be here by the crosses on both sides. We would love to share that with you. If the Lord's pulling on your heart, you feel anything burdening you today, come let us pray with you, please. This is a really exciting time to be part of this church. Because I believe that Jesus is working deep into us, deep into our hearts, the vision that's always been in his heart. Let's pray. Um, Lord, um, Lord Jesus, individually and collectively as a family, we, we want to, to be the family that you envision for us. And Lord, we are excited about what you are doing in us. And Lord, help us, even in this season, to keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, I pray for each one of our hearts that for those who are actually still experienced life separated from you, I pray today even that you would pull them near to you through the work of your son, Jesus. And God, I pray that for those who are hostile or feel like strangers here still in, in, in a, for a variety of ways, anyone who feels like a stranger, Lord, I pray that you would help us as a family to, to welcome them in to community. And Lord, I pray that we as a family would live in such a loving and, and zealous way for you and in our love for one another that we would make the invisible visible to the world. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.